Good morning. My name is Logan. Um, I have the privilege to be the lead pastor here at LMCC. If I have uh, yet to meet you, I would love to connect with you before you head out and uh, burn outside today. Um, Before I hop into today's message, uh, I really just feel led to give each of you a moment to pray to God, and then I will pray as well. Um, When you gather into a place of worship, um, you tend to come for a reason. Maybe someone dragged you, um, but for a lot of you who chose to be here, there's something that you want from God. And what we believe is that God can speak directly to you in your mind, in your body, uh, and we want to give you a space just to ask for what you need, and then I'll pray for us and we'll hop in today's message. So go ahead and take a moment and pray where you are. God, you describe yourself as a father who knows the needs of his children before they ask. So nothing that was asked of you just now is a surprise. But you love it when we ask you to provide. You give good gifts to your children. And so today, give each person in here your good gift for them for right now what they need, and even more than what they need. So we ask that you speak, that you communicate, that you connect with us today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it is officially summer, um, both by the calendar and by the experience of outside and the freezing of inside. And so we're glad that you joined us because summer shifts its pace in our city. We go from a frantic pace to everything slowing down. Some of you get the benefit of summer Fridays. Some of you live out summer Fridays on remote work all the time now. But it slows down. And in the slowing down, you have a choice. As less is demanded of you or there's less distractions, the question is, where will you focus? And as we have considered how we could challenge and encourage you to focus your summer, we want to invite you to get back to the basics of what it means to connect with God. And so we're going to have two different summer uh, sermon series, summer sermon series, one in August that focuses on prayer. And we're going to look at five people in the scriptures and how they prayed as a way for you to learn what it is to pray and engage with God. But as you heard, we're beginning a six-week sermon series focused on the scriptures to invite you to engage with God's Word. And I want to take a moment to explain why. And part of it is that to have a healthy spirituality, it's not just doing the basics once. It's mastering and returning and living in the basics regularly. Just as great music depends on fundamentally grasping and leaning into all the basic elements of what makes great music, Great spirituality and connecting with God is more simple than we make it out to be, but it does demand that we return to these two basic ideas of engaging with the scriptures and prayer. 
Now, as someone who grew up in the church for a long time, that was often delivered to me as behaviors that I had to do if God would be happy with me. And so I want to go ahead and start off and say, I'm not trying to encourage you just to adopt new religious practices, to try to change a behavior and change a habit and automatically assume that if you just do these things, life will be great. What I'm saying is that God has offered to us this invitation to know him, to connect with him, to hear his voice, to have a personal relationship with him, not just religiously practice what he demands of us. And what we have discovered in this church is as people engage with his word, as they pray, they experience his presence and they get to live out his truth. And that's what you need more than anything in this world right now. In his presence, you'll have peace in the middle of a very anxious and divisive world. And not only will you have peace, but you will be a person of peace extending it into the anxious world. But as you engage with his word, you become a person of truth in a world that is desperately seeking answers and finding it in a lot of places where there's actually not truth. And so what we want to be is a people that pursue God. And he's given us the scriptures and prayer as two basic elements, simple strategies, simple steps that you can take. And so we're going to engage in 2 Timothy, and I want to tell you a little bit about this book and why we chose it. This is commonly understood to be the last letter of the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament. He's writing it from prison, so he's not writing it from the greatest of circumstances, but he's writing it to one of his disciples, Timothy. And Timothy is in an anxious city known as New York, I mean Ephesus. And he's instructing Timothy, how does he face opposition? How does he face suffering in his own life? How does he sustain his spirituality and his leadership in the Lord? And Paul's answer repeatedly is depend on the scriptures. Run back to the scriptures. Proclaim the scriptures. He is saying live out what the scriptures reveal God to be. It is what sustains you. It is the place where you find abundant life in a world that has chaos. And so similarly, that's what we want. He wrote it to give courage to Timothy in the face of opposition, in the face of abandonment, in the face of challenge. And we're going to return to it so that we have courage in the face of opposition and challenge and anxiousness, so that we live out courage. But also to remind him, that whenever Paul was facing a challenge and he had questions, he found God in the scriptures to give him an answer. Whenever he faced an obstacle, he recognized that God's provision for his daily life was satisfied in the scriptures because that's where he found the truth about Jesus. That's where he found Jesus was in his word and it comes to life with him. And so our desire for us as a church is that you would fall in love with Jesus through his word. And not just the New Testament, but Paul says all Scripture. All Scripture. And that's why we named the series All Scripture. Is that you might discover from Genesis to Revelation that all Scripture points to Jesus Christ of Nazareth and reveals how amazing and how awesome he actually is. 
And not just a grand awesomeness, but a personal awesomeness. That he becomes this personal Lord for you, this personal one who walks with you so that you're never alone. That's what we hope. And so today I want to just look at those two verses that we read. This is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And it is one of the most famous, famous scriptures that talks about the scriptures. And it says again, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us what to do to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. All right, I want to walk through four phrases that are in those two verses. The first phrase is all scripture. Now, we take for granted at times that the Bible is just all scripture that we can trust, but I just want to encourage you to ask the question, why? Why is the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, known for in Christian circles as Old Testament and New, why the scriptures? Why does he turn us and direct us to that? And how do we know that the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament and the New Testament are the scriptures that we can trust? But what we find in the disciples who were closest to Jesus, who had personal encounters, they repeatedly said that they discover and believe more in Jesus because they know the scriptures. So another one of the apostles... Peter, he writes this in 2 Peter chapter 1, 16 through 21. He says, We were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative no, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. All right. One of the things that Jesus said that was kind of reinforcing by Peter was that every part of the law and the prophets spoke about him. And so when, I, when you hear the word scripture, what do you think about the Bible? Do you think of it as a rule book for life? Do you think it as a love letter to you? Do you think about, what do you think about when you think about the Bible? What the Bible says you should think about is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That everything has, has been prepared and pointing to him and to him alone. And to elevate him above every other ideology, above every other philosophy. To say there is nothing greater that you could ever know than Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I will spend hours upon hours writing books upon books and sustaining them throughout centuries. So that you might know the greatness of Jesus Christ. And the disciples said... The Old Testament screams out about Jesus. That when they read the prophets and they saw Jesus, they saw a direct link. When they read Leviticus, 
those 600 laws, they said it screams out Jesus Christ of Nazareth. When they read the stories of Abraham and Joseph and Hannah and Ruth, they said it screams out there is one Jesus that we all are desperate to know that we were made for. And so as we look at the scriptures, I just want to encourage you to return to God's word to discover your love for God again. I say that to you just as I say it to myself regularly, that when you find your love growing cold for God and others, there is a place you can turn so that the fire begins to burn again. Your heart can become warm again to God, open to him. Your heart can become open to other people. He says, in my word you will find life and he's offering it to you. Whenever I became a Christian, I became a Christian at 13, not in a Christian home. I was just given a Bible. It was an illustrated Bible. It was fantastic. It's now been passed on to each of my kids at different times. But I just started to read it, and it took me five years, because Leviticus and Numbers is really hard for a teenager just to power through. Because I just thought, you just read it from start to finish. If I just read it from start to finish, then I would just get everything to know about God. <laughs> That's a very difficult way to do it. <laughs> it's worth it. But the beauty of God when he says all scripture is that you can start anywhere. You can open up the scriptures and you can begin in a certain location. And it says because it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit within you can connect and teach you everything you need to know about Jesus. So if you're looking for a place to start, I would say start with what is known as the Gospels. The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Choose one of them and just begin to read through it. All of them reference back to the Old Testament, declaring who Jesus was, and it reveals the person of Jesus. It's a great place to begin. But ultimately we're saying as a people, Let's take all the distractions that have been removed from the summer and let's turn our energy and turn our attention to rediscovering God and his word. All scripture. And part of the reason is he says that all scripture is inspired by God. Now that translation, inspiration, can make us think about maybe certain movies that are inspired by a true story. It just kind of motivated them. But the actual translated word is God-breathed, and other translations describe it like that. It's actually, many believe, a word that Paul made up to try to communicate the power of God's word. He took two words, theop and neustos, and he brought them together, Greek words, to say it is the very breath of God that you get to hear about in the scriptures. Now, I want to emphasize that is powerful for him to say that. Because when you look at all the other ways that the breath of God is described in the scripture, it is what you and I need every single day. And in certain seasons, we need it more desperately than others. From the very beginning, we read that the breath of God was breathed into creation. His voice made everything you see. But then when he crafted you and I, looking at Adam and Eve, he breathed life into them. When Jesus comes, in one of the Gospels, we read that before he leaves, he gathers his disciples and he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. 
When he talks to the prophets, he declares them to breathe, to speak, to use their breath to proclaim new life to dry bones, to resurrect. The very breath of God is found in the scriptures. It is God-breathed, and so when you read it, you're experiencing him breathing new life into you. Now think about the times where you need breath. Sometimes you need to catch your breath. For me, that is every time I go home and walk my 100 steps up on the fifth floor walk-up. Anybody that's come over is like, how do you do that? And I'm like, I do it just like you do, without breath. And there are times in your life where things feel overwhelming. You're like, I just need to catch my breath. And God says, let me give you some new breath. Pause and come into my word and let me breathe new life into you. There's other times where you need to go deep. If you're going to go scuba diving, if you're going to just go diving alone, you need a lot of breath to be able to dive the depths to see the beauty of creation. Similarly, God says, I want to give you breath to go deep into my new life, to discover the depths of who I am, discover the depths of my plans for you. There's other times where breath is needed to accomplish great things. Elite athletes... Elite singers, one of the things they must master is how to breathe. Swimmers must master technique as they're in the water to breathe so that they can get the breath they need to make their body function at the highest level. Singers learn to control their voice to be able to project out the beauty that God has given them in vocal sound. See, it says that God has these great works for you and I to do. And he says, come train with my breath so that I can help you accomplish what I've intended you to do. And he says, every part of my scripture is from my very breath. It was written out by human authors and I breathed into them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to breathe into you by the power of the Holy Spirit a knowledge and an understanding of his word. You could open it up and you could go, how does that apply to me right now? I can't believe it, but the Spirit connects an ancient word that we often think is irrelevant to the most relevant thing in your life right now. That's the beauty that the Holy Spirit that inspired the Scriptures now lives inside of you to teach you everything you need to know about Jesus Christ of Nazareth and everything you need to know about his plans for your life in the moment. There is nothing like that in all the world. There is no podcast. There is no professor. There is no philosophy that can come and speak to every scenario and situation the way that God's word by the breath of the Holy Spirit can do that to you. And it's more accessible than ever before. More translations that you could connect with than ever before. More communities that you can engage with. So come, let God breathe new life to you this summer through his word. Because he says, not only is it God breathed, he goes on to say, it is useful. It's useful. Other translations say profitable. But to use the word useful communicates that it is a tool of God, a tool given to you. And the way you use that tool matters, but part of it is how you view that tool. What tool is it? Because the saying goes, if you only have a hammer, everything's a nail. 
And some people view the scripture as a hammer to solve every single problem, a rule book that you just run after. That's called fundamentalism, legalism. And it is often used as a tool to crush your own soul through guilt and shame or other people's in condemnation. But there's another tool that I think is more effective, and, and I actually changed it this morning because in prayer, Jason prayed, God, it's like Wi-Fi. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what it's like. It's like Wi-Fi, this tool that is given to us to connect to knowledge greater than we could ever have in ourselves. That the scriptures is this tool to connect with God who knows every scenario and situation and better than Google and Wikipedia can speak to it directly. See, one version of the tool says there's me and there's the situation and I just, go, I just try to find the right scripture and then slam it into my situation. But if we understand it's a tool like Wi-Fi, we understand that it goes, I come to the scriptures to connect with God and then God, through his scriptures, gives me his view on my circumstance, his view on my situation. And so it's a connection point to God. Not just something where you learn knowledge and study about, but you connect directly with his heart and his ideas and his love for you. And then that changes your viewpoint. So you see your situation not as a problem to be solved, but a situation that God is involved in, walking with you, trying to accomplish something that you don't even know. And what it says is part of that connection helps you discern where you're wrong, where you're right, what to stop doing, and what to start doing. Because we need that. We need that in every situation. Think about the problems that you face at work, and you start to try to figure out, what is the solution? God already knows the solution, but we live in this tension where we have our ideas and the world's ideas of how to solve that, but God has an idea already that he wants you to go through, and this tension we feel like we're sitting in and says the scriptures have the power to come and cut through to be able to sever you from your ideas, to sever you from the world's ideas and to discover God's ideas, discover his perspective, discover his direction, so that you're not just walking on your own intellect and your own wisdom from experience, but the God who has higher ways and higher knowledge and higher wisdom, he says he wants to grant it directly to you. That's the way this tool can play out in your life, a breath of God to breathe new life, but then to connect you with God to give you new eyes. So you see your situation the way he does. So you can walk in the way he wants you to walk. And that's the beauty of the scriptures and all the scriptures is to see that it prepares and equips you for every good work. That's the last phrase that I want to look at. That it prepare and equip you for every good work. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says that you are God's workmanship. You are his art piece that he crafted and painted, and he intended to mold you and shape you for every good work that he has planned for you from the beginning of your life. God has a plan for you. And he has a plan for the situation you're in right now. And sometimes it's unclear, 
and it's mysterious. It even looks like it's an awful plan. <laughs> You're like, God, about your plans, <laughs> I think I would do it differently. But when we look at the scriptures, we discover an overwhelming amount of stories where it often looks like defeat before it looks like victory, where it often looks like a very bad plan before it becomes a beautiful plan, where it looks like it's burning down and God's resurrecting. We can look at stories like Israel and Egypt crying out for justice and then finally getting it only to be met at the Red Sea with the army of the Egyptians bearing down on them. And their response, oh Moses, was there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? And his message to them was stand firm and see the salvation of your Lord. The Lord is fighting for you and you have only to be silent. And then God said, move forward toward the Red Sea, raise the staff in your hand that I've given you and watch the salvation of my people. And the parting of the Red Seas as the mass of winds that God had made and designed set them free and destroyed their enemy at the same time. Or the story of Joseph, who God showed early these great dreams and ambitions. And he, like all of us in our youth, just shared them with everybody arrogantly only to watch them crumble before his eyes as he was sold into slavery, wrongly accused and arrested, losing every single dream, only for God to help him interpret the dreams of others in such a way to elevate him towards the dream that he intended in the first place for, for him to have. Only God. Well, the story of David, a shepherd boy overlooked not even acknowledged, not even known. But God saw him. God anointed him and then took him on this crazy process. It's like, you're going to be a king, but why am I going to be chased for years as if I'm a criminal? Why am I going to be accused of things I've never done? Only for God to establish his kingdom and a covenant through his line forever. Because ultimately, all those stories, all of the Old Testament, everything we see was to point to the story of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, where Israel's crying out for a Savior, like every human soul, and in walks Jesus, God in the flesh. We're like, finally, he's here to defeat everything that oppresses us. He says, yes, but you don't know what's oppressing you. What's oppressing you is at a soul level not at a flesh level. It's not other people. It's the sinfulness of mankind. And I've come to crush it. But he crushed it by dying. Dying on a cross. Abandoned by his disciples because they looked at the cross. They said, that is foolishness. That's not how a king wins a, wins, a, wins a victory. He doesn't lay down his life and die. He fights. Jesus said, yes, but I'm fighting the right enemy. I'm fighting the devil, and I'm fighting sin. And then on Saturday, they were scared because there was silence. And then Sunday, only a few women went to the tomb to see what had happened. And there they are delivered the gospel. 
Jesus Christ of Nazareth died on the cross for the sinfulness of all mankind, resurrected victorious, the tomb broken, out, broken open, empty forever. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus himself. And they were told that it would be a story that will be told forever. And we find in the scriptures for that to be true. See, we are not just trying to play some Christian religious game in this church to say, just get to know the scriptures. It's what you're supposed to do. Now we're inviting you to find the place of true life in the person of Jesus as revealed in God's word delivered to us over centuries by the Holy Spirit, not merely by human authors. See, we get to fall in love with Jesus this summer as the distractions fall away. In similar ways that we all fall in love with New York City again after winter fades. I started this by saying, what did you need from God today? I gave you a moment to ask. I encourage you that every day you might open your scriptures and be able to say, God, this is what I need from you today. And find that he meets you because you ultimately need him and he knows what you need before you ask. So let's engage with all scripture this summer. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you do not desire just to be hidden away, but you desire to reveal yourself. You desire to speak to us, that we get a chance to speak to you face to face when we open your word. And so that's what I ask that you do. You promise to speak when we open your word. And so I pray that everyone who accepts that invitation that they would hear your voice, the voice of a father to a loving child, telling them what, they, what you think about them, the voice of a king, Jesus, who tells them what he wants them to do, the voice of the Holy Spirit illuminating the words of God to know you more. That's your work. And so we choose to submit to it this summer. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.